Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler. And tonight was our last wrap-up before Pesach. Um, I'm sorry, I, I apologize to some of my regular listeners that we weren't able to be here last week for some technical reasons. But uh, Baruch Hashem, we have a wonderful program tonight. We're going to try to squeeze everything into uh, a very short period of time. And we'll allow for questions later in the show. But for right now, we have to get started on all the topics that are relevant. Yesterday, I had the Zuchus, unfortunately, to speak the Zeichen Nishmas, the Sassoon family, and Lefua Shlema for the people who were in the hospital from the family uh, at, at a program that was an all-day program, learning program, the Zuchusam, that was held over here in, on the Avenue P in um, Bnei Yosef. And uh, Baruch Hashem was a very nice turnout. We went through a number of issues, and I'm going to try to give some of those things over now. But in the last two weeks after that tragedy, um, last week or so, that was a little more than a week, whatever the tragedy, I, I had the opportunity to speak with somebody who was very knowledgeable in the area of uh, electricity and discussed some of the safety issues, which are, I think, very relevant for everybody listening to me right now. The, there was one scary thing that happened that he mentioned is that there are some people who are now, because of safety, because of pikuach nefesh, because in order to save a life, they're not properly keeping Shabbos. It's a terrible thing. And one area which we certainly agree with this gentleman and don't agree with the other people is that uh, some people started to put their food on hot plate that was turned off, that set on a time clock that's going to go on in Shabbos. I, I don't think that that's a, an acceptable psak, although maybe some people do find a rub here or there, but it, 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 don't uh, go into these kinds, of, uh, these kinds of ideas without discussing with your own rub. Uh, we have a, uh, a shab, you can turn the, uh, the chalan pot or the, uh, the, the warmer off with a, with a, uh, with a timer. It makes it a little bit easier for certain shilas. But as far as putting something uh, on when it's cold and it's going to go on with the time clock, we don't consider that acceptable, especially the things that have liquid in it, etc. So uh, that's one issue. The other issue that he mentioned to me, which is very important, and I have to hope I hope to have him on my show in the, right after Pesach. We weren't able to do before Pesach. But the other point that he mentioned is that these warmers that people are commonly using today, almost all of them come from Israel, and they're not UL listed, which means that that little tag that says UL, that's acceptable to the, uh, the government of the United States, they're not, they're not according to code. In Israel, they don't have the same code, and the main reason, I believe, is because they have buildings that are made out of stone and cement, and they're not made out of uh, they're not they're not made out of wood like in the states, and therefore uh, there are very few fires at all, and they haven't got the same concerns. And the problem is that the where the electrical fire with the electrical uh, heater is the heating the, the the wires that are doing the electrical heating, they're in a plastic box as opposed to a metal box. And uh, hopefully someday in the future we'll have these warmers being made in the United States with UL listing. But that's definitely an area 
that uh, people should uh, should take uh, should take cognizance of. And uh, I can't tell you what to do. You can speak to your rabbonim, speak to other people who are knowledgeable in the field, speak to an electrician, do what you have to do. Everybody has to be responsible for their, for their family as much as they humanly can. Now, on to our topic of the day, which is the preparation for Pesach. First, I want to review quickly the laws of preparing the, uh, the kitchen, how you kosher the kitchen, prepare the kitchen for Pesach. We'll do this very, very quickly. The other day, somebody came over to me after davening, and I had I had to go to learn, but I had uh, he was came over to me after davening, and he asked me, he said, I can't do the koshering, but we're going to be home. We haven't been home for years and years, and I need somebody to do it. Do you know somebody will pay them to do the koshering? So I told him to get somebody to kosher your house is going to cost you a lot of money, somewhere in the three to five hundred dollar range probably, and that's a significant amount of money. Um, really, there's another alternative if you were intelligent enough to figure it all out. Even though you don't, can't do the physical work, maybe you could hire one of these young people who happen to be around. We have Baruch Hashem, all the yeshivas are off with this benazmanim, and Baruch Hashem, many of those boys are learning a good few hours a day. But maybe instead of helping their mother, if they can, they can work for you, and then you pay them a certain amount of money. It'll be a pittance compared to what these uh, koshering people are going to charge you. So I gave him a quick rundown, and we're going to try to do it now as well. If it's too quick, so again, speak to your own rov and get some guidance, but this, uh, this is the way it has to be done. The refrigerator does not need to be koshered in any which way. The problem is only the racks. Uh, the racks happen to be uh, sometimes they're older racks, and they're, there's there's encrusted rust on it. In which case, uh, maybe it's advisable to get those plastic uh, plastic pieces they put on top to sort of separate the, the pots from there. Those have these little plastic uh, pieces that they put on. Uh, I don't think it's necessary on a on a newer piece of uh, refrigerator because there's not the, they don't have the rust. But if you have an older piece with rust, maybe that's advisable. Otherwise, there isn't anything to kosher in there. However, I want to point out for all year round and for Pesach, you have to realize if you put a hot soup in there, then that hot soup could uh, first of all could spill a little bit. And, uh, you know, we have, sometimes you have these, not just the rack, but you also have a piece of glass there uh, above the bin for the, the, for the fruits and vegetables. So you really do want to have, uh, it could be something wells up over there. You have to make sure the surfaces are clean and, you, and uh, it's advisable that if you're putting a hot thing into the refrigerator all year round for the kosher issue of, of milchiks and fleshiks, as well as for Pesach especially, put something underneath it. It could be a towel. It could be a uh, some something that's uh, going to uh, separate between the the hot pot and uh, your uh, rack or that glass. So now, that after we the refrigerator, we come to the sink. Now, there's different types of sink. So, uh, some sinks are uh, stainless steel, which is the easiest one to kosher, and the, all the others you have to ask a rub. Because uh, it doesn't seem that the halacha is very liberal on those. You have to use some kind of, uh, I would suggest you do an attempt at koshering, but in reality not to consider it koshered, and then to use an insert anyway. So uh, that, that's what you're going to have to do, some kind of insert 
in uh, the regular ones. But if you have a stainless steel, then you technically can kosher it. If you do a proper job, you clean the entire area, and then you boil up water. The water can be boiled in a milchika pot, a fleshika pot, a chametz uh, pot, or a pesadika pot. doesn't make a difference as long as it is an eno benyomo, hasn't been used for 24 hours. Then you could heat the water up there. It has to go to a rolling boil. And then you pour it into the sink. But when you pour it into the sink, if you, as soon as you pour it on that spot, that spot is already called klisheni. And now if the water rolls to another spot, or if you continue to pour and you're pouring right on top of that water, then that is not called koshering. The spot that you hit first it was koshered. But the other spots where it flows are not koshered. You have to dry it off and then spill again. It's going to take you three or four times probably uh, to get a sink properly koshered for Pesach or koshered for all year round whenever the issue of koshering comes up. The same halakhas apply basically. Uh, I, would be, I would be careful to make sure that since the, you know, it's not a flat surface, it's, it's, uh, it, there's a bottom and then there's sides so it's very hard to get to those sides and corners especially. So you need a small pot maybe to get into there, and you have to uh, make, as I said, several tries at it, drying it out in between. It's a little bit of a lengthy process. You allow yourself an hour and a half for a sink, or an hour at least for the sink. We, when the water is heated up, only maybe 15 minutes, but you kind of keep reheating the water, putting the water on. It's a little bit of a lengthy process. Now, we've koshered the sinks, and oh, by the way, you have to, the faucet that comes out, that's uh, a bit of a problem. So we, some people change the faucet. Personally, I don't do that. But we kosher by putting the uh, a pot, take off the cover, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the waft of the zaya, of the uh, vapor, goes up, and it hits the, uh, it hits the faucet from below, and you pour some wa- hot boiling water also on the top, and uh, this is about the best we could do for a faucet. Remember, we, 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 I forgot to mention that we wait till, we don't caution the sink until, until 24 hours passes where it hasn't been used for anything hot. So now we have a kashered sink, and technically it now is parva, could be used for fleshics or milchiks or whatever you want to do at that point. Now, as far as the sideboards go, the best etza is to cover it over, and then, and then you don't have any problems. They have these little pieces of plastic today. You can buy fancy things. There's plenty of opportunities to cover it with contact paper, whatever you put on the sides. Then comes the, the favorite question. I have a marble t- uh, top. I don't have to worry. So, unfortunately, I just had another conversation with somebody who's in the marble business and explained to me that a lot of what people call marble is not marble. First of all, he said, there's a lot of engineered stone. That's what they call today. That's the term, engineered stone. There are a number of companies that do it, DuPont and others. They have a lot of different brand names it comes under. Yes, it's stone. It's considered to be similar to marble, and in some cases it costs much more than marble. But in reality, it is not a pure stone. It is really something that is uh, synthesized between stones and some man-made materials. It's a, a, a unique creation, and they call it engineered stone. Number two, of this I didn't, I don't think I was aware of before, was that 
well, actually, I was aware of it, but I haven't touched base with it for a while. The marble today almost entirely has been treated on the top, and therefore the marble surface is no longer marble. It's not a real stone. Really what it is uh, is, is some kind of man-made materials, oleo, this is, or whatever, from oil, whatever. I don't know exactly what they are. I'm a kind of plastic type of thing. I'm not sure I've got, I don't know the exact way of expressing it, but it's a, it's a man-made covering. Now, the covering is very thin, and you, you're the feeling it's marble, but in reality, it's not. It's not just buffed marble. It's really an application on the outside, and you have to discuss with your rov. I don't know if that's kosherable, because those kind of materials, many people hold you can't kosher. So the theory that you could kosher the marble by just pouring hot boiling water on it, whatever it is, it isn't so simple in, in the real world. So that's something you should take up with uh, the person who sold it to you, the store where you bought it from, or you know whatever, however you could find out what you have, um, and then maybe to discuss it with a rub at that point. But don't consider it because you're calling it marble and it was sold to you as marble that it really doesn't need to be, uh, uh, you know, that, that it can be kashered. It may not be that way at all. Now we move along to the um, main two areas, which are the oven and the stove. Now the oven uh, it really needs to be uh, a self-cleaning oven is the best we could possibly imagine. It has to be really, really clean. And then you do the self-clean. You make sure you have your racks inside. And I would also take the grates or whatever you call them on the top from the four burners from the stove top. Put those inside your oven and uh, put it through a cycle of self-clean. And those, uh, it will not destroy the, those uh, the grates from the top of the stove. Yes, there may be some little slight discoloration or whatever, but the materials that they're using today are very, very powerful, and they, and they hold up, and they don't get uh, ruined the way they used to do years ago. So that's what we do, and we've done it for many years that way, and I don't see any, any serious problems whatsoever, and definitely recommend to everybody. It's the best way to kosher those, those, those uh, grates from the top. Everything goes in the self-clean. You put it through a cycle. If it wasn't clean enough and you see a lot of ashes and you feel it was not clean enough, then you maybe have to clean it off and then you go put it through another cycle. That I can't tell you over the phone. It's not, not very simple to figure out from this distance. You'll have to look at it and you'll discuss it with the rub at the that it happens. So now we have the inside kashered. I don't feel that we're finished. We teach that you should cover the glass door. We the door the door of the oven, we say should be covered with aluminum foil in some way where you're not coming directly in contact with it. Now you say, well, I don't cook on that and I this, and then we did put it through the whole cycle. Yes, but there are certain parts there that are almost impossible to kosher. There's some things that are not metal. And it's uh, we're not advising that you rely totally on the koshering. But I'm not cooking over there. But things do tend to fall there. And sometimes you're putting down your pots or whatever it is, and you need to rest it over there. So we advise put a piece of aluminum foil. I know it's a little difficult and it doesn't look as geschmack as the way the, the, the other way it looks, but that's what's advisable if possible to do that. And then you have your oven finished. Now we're going into the stove top. Well, we already cashed the grates. So what left is there? 
first of all, one possibility is to put on aluminum foil because you're worried about the spaces in between the grates. Or you might want to kosher that area between the grates. Koshering it is a little uh, dangerous for your, uh, your stovetop because you could melt the piece in the back that has the plastic that where the digital controls are. So I would advise not necessarily costuring the top unless you uh, were advised by your rov, in which case what you do is you take a piece of heavy-duty aluminum foil, and don't say heavy, super heavy-duty aluminum foil. Put it over two burners only, the left two burners or the right two burners, and then you switch. But don't put it over four burners where you're definitely going to blow out that piece in the back. You put it over the two burners. Make sure it doesn't go too far back. It just extends over the great area, and don't let it go all the way back to the plastic area because then you're going to definitely melt it. And you put this thing on, turn both jets on, keep it that way five to seven minutes. Watch. Don't go out of the room. If you need a little air in the room because it's a little dangerous or something, so you do that, but you stand there for five or seven minutes, and when you, when you, if you see flames starting to shoot up in the back, then turn it off because you're going to ruin your piece of equipment and you've done quite a bit already. It should be good enough at that point. I'm sure it'll be close to the five or seven minutes when that might occur. As long as you're there, there's absolutely no safety issue. I'm, I'm telling you, this, this, you just do as long as you're watching and I've told you what to watch for. You shouldn't have any trouble. But review this, discuss it with somebody else if you want because otherwise you might ruin your equipment. Basically, we took care of your kitchen. It just took us a few minutes. Now, I'm going to go on to some of the other topics that we took up yesterday, which I think people should know. But before I do that, I have to read a couple of last-minute things to you. One is that you should know that at this point, the um, romaine lettuce is really a, it, very, very, very bad. And that's why you need an excellent hashkoch if you use romaine lettuce for maror or you just for the, for the salad greens. It's a very bad time. Well, the Star K reports that they've had a great deal of difficulty in getting uh, kosher vegetables that they consider to be acceptable to them under the Dole brand. They haven't been able to do it for weeks. They had a very great difficulty for a good few weeks. And therefore... Their, their warning is a warning to all of us that your greens, especially the romaine lettuce, needs an excellent hashkocha for Pesach. And uh, again, and that decision of which hashkochas to rely upon, as you discuss it with the Rav, because not all the hashkochas do the same thing. Just a, a couple of uh, you know surprises here. If there's a there's a thing called Hills Prescription Diet Pet Foods. Okay, I don't have a dog, I don't have a cat, but some people do, and they may be listening to the show. And there's a mistake in, a, in the Star K Passover Guide. They seem to have said that some of them were acceptable from Hills Prescription Diet Pet Foods, but they've been reformulated, and they now have chomets. So the following dog and cat foods contain chomets. C slash D, and K slash D. That's what they have on the label. So the star K says, be got to be careful. Check for hummus listed in the ingredient panel. Could you imagine? Okay. Um, another thing that uh, we want you to know is that there's a company called Barry Calibit Praline Caramelized Hazelnuts 
50-50. And they're being sold with an okay P, but the P was really mistaken. It should have said okay parava. Barry Calibut Praline Caramelized Hazelnuts, 50-50. If you see it in the store, please call us. They were putting it in the Pesach section. Please call us, and we'll take care of it, help you take care of that situation. Uh, another thing which has nothing to do with Pesach, but I came across it today, and I just want to no- let people know about it. You can look it up yourself. I'm not sure that it's, uh, we, we're still trying to clarify it with the OU, but these, this, a company, Starbucks, makes a new product called Via, V-I-A, and they call it Via Brew. It says instant microground coffee. So instant coffee has been uh, pre-cooked. And on Shabbos, people will put it into a klisheni or a klishishi. But something like this, which is Starbucks via brew, even though, called, even though it's called instant coffee, it's really not coffee, not cooked coffee. It's micro-ground. It's very, very fine. It's so fine, it's exactly what Chazal talked about, what the Poiskim say is something that's kali habishul. It cooks quickly and instantly. It's so, so quick because it's ground so fine that people don't know the difference between it and regular instant coffee. That's VIA, Starbucks VIA Brew. Uh, check it up on the if you want on the website. You'll see it there. Um, it's called Via Brew Instant Microground. Very important to note that. On Shabbos, there's a Shaila from Bishel. Okay, now, at this point, I want to start our regular program dealing with the preparation for Pesach. We've discussed a million times about this, about what you have to clean for Pesach, we don't have to go overboard. The halacha requires a kazayas or more. A drop on the on the carpet is not going to climb up. You don't have to worry about that. A carpet may have may have small, tiny grains inside. That's not our concern. It's not edible. It's you you you've tried to vacuum it up. You've done what you can, and you make your bittle, and that's enough. Don't make yourself crazy checking it all for hours and hours. Selling the chametz is a problem. People don't know what they include in the selling of the chametz. They decide they're going to sell the house. They're going to go away for Pesach to their relatives in another state. They're going away to a hotel. But then in the middle of Pesach, they want to go home and get something. It's very, very, very important. You can't go back unless you're doing the Bedikas chametz. And you can't go back unless you made biggest comments towards that room that you want to go to. So you have to speak to your rub about it. It's not a simple thing. That's why we always recommend that you can fulfill the mitzvah bedika with the bracha, even if it's on one room and even if you're not going to be there for Pesach. To do it, and if, you, if it's not the night of Pesach when you leave, the night before Pesach that you're leaving, then you have to go ahead and do it without a bracha. If you have to do it in the daytime, you do it in the daytime, but you have to do it a bedikas chometz is a chiv that you have. Now, somebody asked me to Shaila that they're going to be in a certain place on Cholamoid. They're not there the rest of the time. They're a very nice place for Cholamoid. The owner is not a religious Jew. So what are they supposed to do? So I told them you have to go ahead and you have to do a bedikas chometz right there when you walk in the door. I, you rented the place. Now it's, you know, in a certain amount, it's yours. 
and you have to have a concern that you might find something. So therefore, you have to make a bedikas chametz. Now, it's a daytime, you're not going to make a bracha. It's nighttime, you're not going to make a bracha because it's not the right time anymore. You just do the bedikah. Now, if you, how do you do the bedikah? Whether you use a flashlight or you use a, a, you use a, a candle, we always recommend using a candle in the beginning and switching to a flashlight very, very soon afterwards because of the concern of a fire, chas v'shoh. So you, you went ahead and you checked the rooms there, but let's say, for example, maybe that, that Jew has chametz stored in that apartment on Pesach. So what you should do is say to him, you know, I, I have to get make sure there's no chametz at all in my possession. I'm going to sell any chum that you might have in there for you, okay? Is that okay with you? And this way, you go to your rov, add in that address, and then you sell the chametz for that Jew over there. You accomplish two things. You coming now in a place that doesn't have halachically chametz because it's sold to the non-Jew. And p- number two, you are you are helping this other Jew who may not be a shomit Torah mitzvah to fulfill the mitzvah of selling and getting rid of all his chametz that so he shouldn't be over the Abayr. Now, in, uh, when we, when we uh, sell the chametz, we should include things like the car, the garage, the office, very important, the office. I just was uh, in one place where I am during the day sometimes, and uh, I opened the drawer, and oh my goodness, what I saw over there. It wasn't chametz, but it certainly was things that, ha- that are not appropriate for Pesach. Uh, we had to clean that out right away, and that's what all of us have to do. Uh, it also is a thing that I did with my own Rebbe and uh, you know, continue to do whenever it comes up, but if you have people, who, relatives who are not Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, or anybody you know who's not Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, so you could go ahead and sell their Chomets for Pesach. Now, how could you sell it? Because it's called Zochen Le'odem Shalol Does it work? So rabbis might disagree. My Rebbe held it did work. He agreed with me selling it, and I used to sell people's Chomets who never asked me to sell their chametz. So that's an interesting idea. Discuss it with your own rub. Uh, in, in general, um, you know, if, 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 how does it work then for him? Let's say he eats the chametz on Pesach because he's not from. So the answer is, he will, when he eats it, he gets an aveira of eating the chametz. And uh, he definitely um, is stealing from the goy. He's stealing from the non-Jew. But, at least for the rest of the time, he's not getting that Aveira of owning chametz, and maybe he's not going to eat any chametz on Pesach. So many, there are many Jewish people, I hate to tell you, who don't sell the chametz and don't eat chametz on Pesach. They don't know this whole thing about selling chametz, and therefore it's a big mitzvah to think about this, discuss it with your rub, and see if you can do zochen adam shalubafanov. Of course, you want to be a tzaddik, you tell him you're going to do it for him, and most people are very happy you're going to do it. Okay. When you check the chametz, it's not a joke. There are plenty of places you could find things. Uh, when I, over the years, we found things in the radiator, in the bottom of the radiator, things that, you know, you end up, you know, sweeping things that go under the radiator. That's a good place to look. The person who's doing the actual bedikas chametz, okay, maybe we don't do four-hour bedikas chametz. Some people do, but most people just do a short bedikas chametz. I agree with you. It's not, not necessary because we have cleaned up the house very well. But people are human, and the woman is working very hard, or whoever's working is working very hard to clean up the house, and very possibly they missed some of these little areas. So get yourself down during the Badika's Chomets on the ground, look at the radiators, wells over there, look under the refrigerator, 
Yes, get down on the floor and look on the refrigerator. Make sure you're checking places that people wouldn't necessarily have looked. The, uh, the, check the garage, check the car, use a flashlight if you need to. I start with a candle, switch to the flashlight, and you should make a badika thoroughly. It still shouldn't take you more than a half an hour or an hour if you're making a badika summits even in a big house. If you want longer, you can do longer, but at least give it a real look. Don't just pick up the, the 10 pieces and, 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 make, and, make, and make believe that that's, it's not really serious. No, it is a very serious thing, and many times you check pockets, kids' uh, toys, check kids' uh, uh, snowsuits. There's plenty of places where you might find a nice piece of hummets that you didn't think about. We talk very strongly against the recommended lists for, uh, for a Pesach. There are, there are a lot of uh, uh, groups that put out recommended lists. I'm not talking now about the Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book or the OU or the, uh, the, Kuf, the Star K's. I mean, not Kuf K, the Star K or the CRC. We print the CRC in our magazine. We're not talking about all that. I'm talking about the lists that people give out which don't have to have kashal Pesach and some don't even have a hashkoch at all. And they say a list of things that you could use. Very often they give it to the Svardim and they claim that the Svardim could eat this because they can eat kidneys, so they can eat all this long list. Most of that stuff has a question about kashras all year. I spoke to Rabbi Singer from the OU who was in charge of Pesach production. And he told me that uh, the, the things on those lists are 100% wrong. He said, how could they say beech nut cereals and beech nut uh, uh, products over there are kashal of Pesach for Svardim because they have rice in it? The, th- the equipment is 100% chametz equipment. There's no question that you can't rely on bittel and you can't rely on, that, that it, on the ingredients listed in the packaging no, it's, it's, it's done Ben Yomo on Hamid's equipment. He was livid when he heard about some of these uh, lists that, that are being used. To consult your Rav, get the proper advice on this, and, and don't pick up these lists that look very interesting because most of them are inappropriate. We come to, uh, I have another bunch of questions here to discuss. I'm just going to take one minute to read about our uh, advertiser, our sponsor, Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. I'm reading to you now some of the products that are on sale at the present time. They have Aaron's chicken legs, 190 by the case. You have to get the whole case, 199 a pound. Uh, you can get uh, family pack mixed ground chicken and beef, 399 a pound. Minute steak roast, $11.99. Family pack ground chicken, $4.99. Hod Golan sliced turkey, five ounces, $2.99. Hod Golan ultra thin sliced turkey, seven ounces, $4.49. There's, uh, they, for Pesach, they have, I assume it's Pesach, Coca Cola, the two liter, two for three dollars. Um, Glick's potato starch, 24 ounces, 169. Hadar 18-minute matzah, one pound, $3.89. Tasis Choice Coffee, seven ounces, 9.99. 
Uh, nature's own apple juice, 64 ounce, 199. These are some of the sample products. Oh, this one is interesting. Raskin's gefilte fish, frozen gefilte fish that you make in the house, 499. That's the price. Not a mistake. 499. There's a lot of other interesting uh, products that they have on sale. And whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. Their weekly specials run from Wednesday to Tuesday, and you can see them on what's on sale. And on uh, and Glotmart convenience comes in two packages, parking and time. You'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car and have it ready for you to load up with those special items you purchased in the store. And the Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification for the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air over J-Root Radio. And now I come to a very ticklish topic, something I felt was very important to address. Minhagim and Chumras. Sensitivity in this area. A Sephardi, mar- Sephardi man marries an Ashkenaz wife. She has to follow his menagim. No question about that. But what if the son and the daughter and somebody in the family flipped out and became very, very religious? What if they, the son-in-law or the daughter-in-law have certain humrus? You know, in my house, we enjoyed very much the matzah, the, 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 uh, the, the matzah balls. We were brought up with it. You took... I took, uh, we would take shmura matzah, grind it ourselves, make it into a matzah meal, make the, uh, the, uh, make the matzah balls. It was in a shtickle of Aida, but it was a beautiful thing. And everybody loved it. But what can you do? We married, we married out. Some of our kids married boys or, uh, who, uh, who are careful about uh, gabrachts. They don't eat gabrachts. They were brought up that way. That's the end of the matzo balls. That's it. It's over with. We, we didn't do tshuva. We're not repenting. We, it was acceptable we did. This is, was with all the das Torah that I could muster for this. But on the other hand, we have to have sensitivity for the people coming into our house. So when it comes to Pesach, you have to look for the highest common denominator. Not the lowest common denominator, but the highest one. You want everyone to feel at ease. We have to have sensitivity. We have to have respect. We have to prevent somebody from eating something that he shouldn't eat because he has a Kabbalah, a neder, a minig, whatever it is. We have to be sensitive to that. Does that mean we can't eat? We, we, we're used to eating? Well, in some cases, it may be better that way. You really, really want to eat what you're, you, you're used to eating? So find a way not to make the son-in-law, daughter-in-law, or the the mechutin, whoever it is, not to make, or your children, not to make them feel strange. Work with their, work with the minhagim and the chumras with the highest common denominator. We come to the Seder, and I'm going to mention a few things in about 10 minutes or less. We'll take calls. You can call us at 718-683-5858. 
718-683-5858. I see we got text already. I wish I could help, but there's just too much to do right now. The Haggadah, I just want to say one word about the Haggadah. Yes, probably if the halacha is shomea ka'one, that if if you're reciting the Haggadah and people are listening, they get the mitzvah of reciting it just that they listen to they listen to the Torah. It's true, but the mitzvah of the seder, the Haggadah on Pesach is supposed to be question and answer. If there isn't any son, there isn't anybody to ask a question, then you ask yourself question and give an answer. So a person sitting at the table and has a Haggadah open, a woman, a child, a young child, an old child, a grandparent, a guest, they shouldn't sit there through the whole Seder and say nothing. It shouldn't be that they don't express themselves. It shouldn't be that they don't ask a question, don't contribute something. If at worst, you can't, they're not going to contribute anything on their own, you can encourage them. You say, well, what do you think about that, which we just said? What do you, what's your take on that? You know, you're older than me, or you have a different point of view. You have to elicit from them. They have to be involved in this. The mitzvah of Agada is because each person is supposed to feel he went out of Mitzrayim. It's not going to be good enough to be a show. They visited your Seder. They participated by sitting there. They were cooperative. They did everything that you told them to do. No. Get them involved. Involve them. It's very, very important. That's the best teaching time of the entire year because this is where we're giving over the Morasha, our whole tradition is being handed over to the next generation. It's very important. And no child should be left out. And no adult should be left out. Everybody should be engaged. Now, on the matzah, there's a very, very important thing to understand. We eat matzah three times in the Seder, except for the aside from the meal. We're eating in the first time you eat the matzah, when we say the brachos, and then we eat it again at Kairach, and then we eat it again at the end where we're having the uh, afikomen. At the afikomen and in the beginning, when we first eat the matzah, we're supposed to eat a very large size, which is approximately half a matzah from the shmura matzah, the hand shmura matzahs, the round ones, about half a matzah was the appropriate amount. If you want to know about the machine matzahs, we have it in our magazine. We have a chart there with inches laid out. It shows you clearly the size that you have to have in machine matzah. We show the size of the stalks for the romaine lettuce, the size for the for the for the leaves of the romaine lettuce. All of it's in our magazine, Cautious Magazine's uh, Pesach edition. But right now, we're not can go there. We're just trying to say approximately half a matzah in the beginning. Half a matzah for afikomen, the kairach a quarter of a matzah. But not everybody can eat that. Some people find it difficult. So what do we do? Well, first of all, everybody should eat matzah, even if they find it difficult, even if they have teeth problems and they're older and they're weak and they're this and they're allergics. Try to get them to eat even a mashu, even a little bit. The brach of hamotzi they could say, but the bracha of Achilles matzah, you should say for them. But they definitely should eat something. Because just like a little Aveira, where it's not the full Aveira, 
is it is also we call chazi shir is also in the Torah. The person ate a little drop of a pig. It's forbidden by the Torah, even though you didn't eat a whole kezayis. So too, when if you don't eat a whole kezayis of matzah, but you got the mitzvah part of the part of the mitzvah, engage yourself in the mitzvahs of the of of, of Pesach. A person should have, try very hard to have even a little bit. And if they have a hard time swallowing and chewing and all that, you soak the matzah. That's how we teach. You soak the matzah or drink the water with the matzah. But soak it in water or drink water with the matzah, no problem whatsoever. That's how my Rebbe Rav Zimman taught. So this is how we approach the mitzvah of matzah. How long does it take to eat it? So the answer is three or four minutes. No one knows exactly. We have a question, I know, but I, I really want to finish. Just tell them, we'll give it, we're going to get to them, as I said, which is another four minutes, okay? So three, four minutes in order to, to uh, in three, four minutes in order to fulfill the mitzvah of eating a matzah. We're supposed to take three, four minutes. Now that three, four minutes starts from when you swallow. So there are people that are chewing and they're, they're, they're nervous. And, don't be nervous. Just chew to the best of your ability. If you're having the difficulty, take a little water and then swallow. When you start to swallow, the three or four minutes start and you should be fine. If you have a difficulty, so then you'll soak it a little bit in the water. Four cups of wine. Well, not everybody can take wine. So here's the order of preference. Again, the wine that the husband is using is not advisable for everybody at the table. 12% alcohol, 7% alcohol, some people can't handle that. Let them take the cows, and now you let the supposed to as opposed to the regular wines. If, there, if you don't want wine at all, it's not good for you, whatever, then here are the, here are the recommended order. Wine with grape juice added, wine with water added, and I wouldn't put too much water in because wine has water in it already. Grape juice, grape juice and water, that, the, what they call light grape juice is already watered down. Raisin wine or Hamar Medina, which could be a beverage that's, you know, another beverage, it could be even uh, tea or, uh, or, or, or milk. People sometimes use, use those as a, we call Hamar Medina. So in other words, you could be engaged even if you can't drink wine. That's the point. Uh, if you didn't catch this, you know, look it up in booklets. I took this myself from Rabbi Shimon Ida's booklet. Now, the size of the cup, the cup should contain a revius, which is about, about 4.15 ounces, according to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. It was really 4.14 point something or other. So I rounded it out to 4.15 ounces where Moshe held. Some hold five ounces, some hold more than five ounces. But whatever you have in that cup, it's approximately like that, right? So then drink all the Revias in two or three sips. Not one sip, that's like a glutton, and not more than three sips. Not That's why a lot of people don't fulfill the mitzvah. And that's why people who are not going to drink that way should be encouraged not to use the wine or to dilute the wine with grape juice. Because if because it's hard for them to swallow it, they're going to sip it slowly and take two or three or four minutes to swallow it, they may not fulfill the mitzvah at all. So it's really a shame when if they would take grape juice or something else, they would be able to fulfill the mitzvah and fulfill it properly. 
Why should they go suffer uh, and lose the mitzvah just because they wanted to try to drink the traditional wine? No. Work with what you can do. Make sure you try to drink it, the the Revius, in two or three sips. It's best to drink half of the Revius in one sip if you can. And uh, if, if, if the cup is larger than Revius, if the cup is larger, you do not have to drink the whole thing, but you should try to drink the... Uh, I should drink a revius from there. Now, moror is a very important uh, topic. I don't have time to deal with it at length, but uh, many people fall, fail on this whole thing because they, they try to eat the uh, horseradish and, they, and it's too powerful, so they don't eat that much of it, and therefore they don't get the mitzvah. Then some of them will eat the, the uh, romaine lettuce, and uh, they don't use enough of the romaine lettuce because even though it looks to you like it's a big piece, but it's not necessarily the sheer. Proper sizes are in our booklet from David Feinstein, and you can see it in his booklet uh, called Doidi, where he, he, he shows you the pictures and tells you the sizes, and uh, this is what one should do. If you don't eat the right sizes, then uh, unfortunately you lost those mitzvahs. So it's... It's worth working up that a little bit, and there's some booklets out now. We're going to take a caller, and anybody would like to call now, any questions about Pesach, you may do so. Call us at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, or text us at 347-927-8398. First caller. Yes, you're on Kashas on the air. Thank you for waiting. Can't Hello? Hear. Yes, God, you're on the air. Yes, uh, I, yeah, I just, uh, excuse me, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, it's uh, not about the kashas from Pesach, but about raisins that in, uh, in the Torah times they had a digest of the Rabbi Vai, and yet uh, that it says it's almost impossible to inspect, and by Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book, it says they ask you of, and I wanted to ask you what you recommend. <laughs> very cute, very cute. Well, listen, I don't know what Rabbi, first of all, Rabbi, Rabbi Blumenkrantz, Ron Blumenkrantz is not living anymore. There's a son writing the book. I don't know what he is doing. I have no idea. I've never spoken to him as far as I know. I don't, don't remember speaking with him. I did know Rabbi Blumenkrantz, uh, Rabbi Blumenkrantz. He used to come to my house to pick up a list that Kedem used to give the two of us, which I still, I still use that list. You know, every year we get from Kedem a list of what has water and which has which are recommended beverage for pace, which ones are the bushel, which ones have water, which ones have sugar added. We have that in our booklet every year, and, and he probably still has it over there in that booklet. I don't know wh- what he wrote. I can't answer for you. I can just tell you that Roy Vaya is the man on insect infestation. Now, what was interesting, you've got to take a note of it, and I think it's an interesting thing, and I'm, I want to get lost in this one, is that Rabbi Vaya was pretty strict about the orange juice, and David Feinstein, from what I understand, permitted the use of the orange juice and didn't say that we have to inspect. So, yes, there will be differences in levels. Uh, I don't think that the Blumenkrantzers are saying there is nothing there. I think they're just saying, ask your uh, But Rabbi Vaya is on the cutting edge of insect infestation. And I know from the inside that... Uh, that the raisin thing was never resolved, and I know I can't talk about it on the radio why that is. There are certain reasons why it has never been resolved. 
but I don't want to go into that in the radio. Okay, thank you for the call. Have Thanks for waiting so long. Okay, next caller. Next caller, please. Yo, you're on Kashmir on the air. Can I help you? Yes. What do you say about the oranges? There's no any orange juice that you could drink? You didn't listen to me. I said, well, David Feinstein said that you don't have to do anything to the orange juice. Rabbi Vaya taught to strain it. We can decide what you want to do, and that's why in, in life we have to make choices. We have a Rav. You have to have a Rav. You ask okay. the Rav what Let to do. Let something else now. Whatever uh, the Rav tells you to, Whatever, heard, the, whatever the Rav, your Rav tells you. Very important, very important what you said, because he said if it's too sharp, people don't need a lot. I don't think you, you're right about that, because Briskeru said, Briskeru said, if it's over sharp, the more enough, you're not going to the mitzvah and over it, to eating it. If, if why, I'm sorry, but I didn't hear what you said. Once more. If it's more sharp than usually, if it's over sharp, people sometimes close it. It should be right. more sharp and more sharp. Briskeru didn't hold from it. He said, if it's over sharp, you're not going to the mitzvah and more. more has to be... Uh, a certain amount how it should be more, right. it should be bitter, but it doesn't have to be overdue. Right, it has, to be, the, it has to be that you're able to get it. That's what the Bishkirov said. Right, very good. Thank you very much for the call. And Chag Kosh Go ahead, you're on Kosh on the air. Can I help you? You're on the air. Hello? No one there. So we have a free line if anybody wants a call, 718-683-5858. Yeah, we have some text here. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at them. Um, talking about baby, baby formula. Okay. We're questions talking about, about specific products from Israel. Okay, baby formula. There's no. There's no. Uh, any any baby formula for Pesach? Well, for, uh, my feeling is about that. Yeah, I know, but baby formula. I don't, I don't know what there is for Pesach, and that you can call the OU and find out, or go on OUPassover.org. OUPassover.org, or go on the website of the CRC, crcweb.org. But I'm not familiar with them. I can look it up in the book, but we don't have time now. So you have to go into one of those books. But in general, uh, it doesn't take too much time. Uh, you don't have 20 babies. We, you take some uh, vegetable, cook it up properly, strain it properly, and it's fine for the kid. It probably is much healthier than anything you're going to buy. We're only talking about eight days. We're not talking about all year. And that's what okay. everybody did until now. And that's certainly okay. advisable. But you can look in the book. It's a fine way. Oh, the phone yeah. line is jam-packed. Okay, Go now, ahead. one more thing that I want to do. very important <laughs> to see the text. Don't cover the top uh, of the stove when you're doing the, the um, uh, clean, you know, the, what do you call it? The self-cleaning? Yeah. Because it can burn the computer, and I know this uh-huh. person. Or yes, this is very important to do. Right. No, well, don't. So we had also experience the two. I, I I killed the first. I the first year we got our our two ovens. I killed both of them. Yeah, so don't <laughs> cover in the top. Just let it right, air. Don't right. go. On. This is very yeah. dangerous. You know, very it's also, important to watch that. Very important. Okay, so Take care. Fo- we have. Okay, okay, go ahead. Take whatever you got. You're on Kasha's Hello? Can I help you? Go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Sometimes we see. You know the but that's from Israel has the hechsher, they say, but not for oh, Pesach, right? right? Right, So my question is, am I better off buying that? Let's say some random pickles without any names. Am I better off buying that than buying, you know, the one in America that just has a sticker on it? You know, and... Well, I don't, listen. You know, Mordecai, listen. 
I don't know. Yes, I'm listening. Yeah. I, I can't answer the question because the sticker, you know, in general, the cashless agent is trying to get away from the stickers. But if it's a good sticker from a good company, and some there's ways to tell. For example, if it says the name of the product, and it says the date or something on it, and men's a hashkocha, all on that sticker, that's a pretty good deal, especially when they're certifying it all year, and they're doing this now for a Pesach run. I don't think it's so terrible. As far as the one in Israel, I'll tell you like this. With the pickles, uh, you know, that's done in salt water or something, and at least if the... With the, if the, if the rabbinical organization in Eretz Israel that's not the Badats, that the regular city one was a responsible organization, I would agree with you. But since we don't know some of those cities at all... But they I, have an OUP also. It has OUP also. On the, what, the ones from Israel? Yeah. So, then that, that's very good. What's the difference in that and here? Right, I know, for some reason, I was always keeping away, but here it says, no, not for Pesach. So you're like, no, 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 no. Like, that, they, oh, that's the, his, the Eidach HaRedis has a thing about not giving Hashkoch on certain products for Pesach. Now, it's true. Sometimes they won't do it because they disagree with the OU or with somebody else over an ingredient about whether that's kosher or Pesach. That may be because the OU relies on things called like kidneyos shenishtane. They have special heterim in their system. So the, 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 the badats of the Edecharedis might not accept some of those heterim. So that, that could be an issue. But on a thing like a pickle, which is basically, if it says just, you know, um, in the salt water, the, the brine, I don't think they're adding anything very exciting there. If there are eating some kinds of spices that have a concern for the for the for Pesach, cumin or something of this nature, so then yeah, you, there might be something interesting to it. But that's something I can't tell you from this side of uh, of, the, of, of the world. You'd have to really get the badats to answer that for you. Uh, all these are good choices, and I can't make a decision. Thank you very much. Have a chag kosh v'sameach. Call to. Amen. You too, Go ahead. You're on kosh on the air. Can I help you? Hi, me? Yes, go ahead, please. Yeah. Okay, I have a question about the self-clean oven. I um, have old ovens, so I was told I don't have a problem, but my friend just called me. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You have an old oven, so you don't have I a have an 18-year-old oven that is self-clean. Oh, yeah. I was told that the older ovens went up to the higher temperatures of 800, which is fine for right. cashing for Correct. beta. Now, she was made aware that her oven, which is just recently purchased about three months ago, might not go correct. up to I that. I forgot to mention is that. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm, I'm, I forgot to mention that. There is a new development. They are doing self-cleaning ovens at a lower temperature. That is correct. Uh-huh. So yes. what is the temperature that makes it okay? I can't tell you exactly, but the usual the number that we used to use was 900 degrees. Right. I don't know if yours is, hits 800 or 900 but that was a number we used to use. I don't know how low the Rabbanim want to go, but going back to five and 600 is not going to be enough because that's a regular oven. How do they do the self-cleaning aspect of it? I don't know, but they definitely are doing at a lower temperature. And yes, that's something should be discussed with a rub. It's simple to look on the packaging and see what so it says. So you're saying if it goes below the I 800, give it, exact, it is I, probably not kosher Pesach. I, 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 said that, I said that that's something that you'll have to discuss with a Rav. But you okay. have to know the number. You have to tell them the right. number. It's well, in the yeah, booklet. Well, yeah, she said she called, and they told her it only goes up to about 600. So uh, most Rabbanim wouldn't accept that. Wouldn't accept that. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I any Rabbanim would accept that. No, I don't know. I no, don't but, know what but, the, but, but, the but, amounts but, are. Okay, so but, but what, what else are you supposed to do? 
I'll tell so you. How what, do you cast the you. oven? Is oh, there I'll another way to cast your no, oven? No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you have an oven that isn't uh, self clean, it so, is self clean. It just no, doesn't no, no, go okay, up but, but we're saying it doesn't do the full right. job. Okay. So what you do, what this woman should do, is take her racks and give them to you, and you'll cast the racks. But what's with the walls of the oven? You don't cook on the oven. You cook. In the oven. Oh, so the, the Shiloh is only on the racks. The uh, Shiloh is really on the racks. Oh, so it's, she can cover it, the rest with silver foil, like well, underneath, just for a chumrah, and just do the I, racks. No, she should take the, we recommend you take the racks and give them over to you or somebody else who, right. does, who hasn't done self-clean yet and put it through and then, and, you know, with the proper temperature. And then it's fine. And then, and then we have the racks. The oven really, what did you think people did before they had self-clean? Right, they just turn correct. the oven on for an hour. And, and what the self-clean is a few hours. So you're really having a, a, the best, much better than the other ovens ever cleaned in their lives. Okay, so, so my next question is, which is coming sort of out of this question, is that you said one hour. When you are kashering, an, when you use the ca- uh, oven, let's say, for fleshik, and you want to kasher it enough to use it for mochik, is that one hour enough? Okay. Because if I'm being, if I'm able to use it for Pesach, this question is a little too long to answer on the time we have um, two minutes left. We, I don't hold you have to kasha between milkers and flashics in the office. Uh huh. Okay. That's how my Rebbe taught. Right. I was told an hour, but I have friends. Okay. One second. One second. One second. One second. This is so you're asking me something that I don't. We don't have. We you don't feel know. that you don't have to do it all. I, not me. Right. My Rebbe taught that way. Right. Moshe right. Rosen taught that way. That's the way we, the Kabbalah right. that we have. Now, it's, if you're going to kasher, the, turning on an hour, an hour and a half is all we ever did from treif to kosher, for uh-huh. Pesach, for milchas to flesher can't be worse. You, right. know, you know, if you're leaving it on an hour, okay, an hour so and a half. Okay, so that answers my question. Okay. Thank anyway, you so much. Have a kosher day. We have you last too. caller. Go ahead, last caller. You're, thank you for calling. What's, what would you like to ask? Hello? Go ahead. You're on the air with the last caller. Go ahead. Yes, I just heard we talking about the Abacus before. I heard that Moshe Feinstein's Zetel was very mephatic uh, regarding uh, using Mephushal wine for Kiddush throughout the whole year and, of course, the Pesach. We, of course, don't want to use it for Pesach, but we don't. We would definitely want to not use Mephushal. But the, if you have somebody at the table is not... From then you maybe you're gonna to have to otherwise you embarrass them completely. I think it's a bigger avera to embarrass them not to be outside. So you go into a kitchen and you make a kiddush or whatever it is, or some people well, do what they can, or you can, but or but yeah, or you somebody have individual small bottles. You got to find some way to not to embarrass the people at the table. That's the what do you embarrass? How do you embarrass the people at the table? Uh, that's not for the, the show's over. I can't go into it. But it, but the bigger mitzvah is not to mevayesh anybody. It's the seder. They're trying to do their mitzvahs, and you're going to say, "Don't touch it! Don't touch it!" That's going to scare them away forever and ever. Thank you very much for calling. Oh, okay. I wish you all, everyone, a chakash v'sameach. We'll be right. We will be back after Pesach, and in Hashem, I'm going to try to get that electrician to give us some advice for future for all our families.